Disney is known for their true love's kisses and happily ever afters, but the folk tales and myths they made famous were anything but wholesome. They're full of murderers, rapists, child abusers, cannibals, the list goes on and on. Normally when I talk about these stories messed up origins, it's in the form of a 20 minute deep dive, but if those episodes are a full course meal, today I'm serving up a charcuterie board of short form content. We're going to run through 10 of my most popular Disney shorts, highlighting the darkest details of Disney's source material. And if you want to hear more about any tale in particular, just follow that Disney playlist link that's in the description. And be sure to stay until the end of this episode to hear what's in store for next week's deep dive. Anyway, without further ado, I present the Messed Up Origins of Disney Movies compilation number two. I don't know if it was on purpose, but Disney's Aladdin has a really clever reference to Jafar's defeat in the original 1001 Nights story. In the story, the princess tricks the evil magician into thinking she's finally given up on Aladdin and wants his bod instead. So the magician celebrates by popping open a bottle of wine. Only when he takes his first sip, he realizes something is horribly wrong. He falls to the ground and the last thing he sees is his killer standing over him. Aladdin with a vial of poison that he snuck into his wine. Okay, so how is this like the Disney movie? Well, Jasmine does the exact same thing to Jafar, even going so far as to kiss him so Aladdin can steal the lamp back. Only in the movie, it doesn't work out and Aladdin has to find a new way to defeat him. Meanwhile, in the book, the magician's younger brother comes after Aladdin wanting revenge. If you want to hear the full story, check out the messed up origins of Aladdin on YouTube. At the end of Disney's Tarzan, Jane decides to sacrifice a life and civilization in favor of staying in the African jungles and marrying Tarzan. But the Tarzan book by Edgar Rice Burroughs doesn't have quite as happy of an ending. Instead, Jane, her father, and William Clayton are picked up by a rescue vessel while Tarzan is off saving the captain of their original ship from cannibals. Pretty messed up, they just abandoned their friend while he was being rescued, but maybe they held a grudge over him getting them shipwrecked. Anyway, that captain goes goes on to teach Tarzan English, then Tarzan journeys to Wisconsin where he saves Jane from another life or death situation, this time a forest fire. It's at this point that he learns the sad news that Jane is engaged to William Clayton, who we learn is actually Tarzan's cousin who unrightfully received his parents' fortune after their death. Despite Tarzan's heart being broken and having the evidence to prove that he's entitled to those riches, the book ends with him assuming Jane would be happier with Clayton and leaving her in a America. The silver lining is Tarzan and Jane do end up together in the book's sequels, but that's a story for another day. The original ending to the Pinocchio story was so disturbing that audiences refused to accept it from the author. So remember how in the Disney film Pinocchio gets hustled by a cat and fox who convince him to join Stromboli's puppet show for fame and fortune? Well, in the book, they con the poor puppet as well by telling him that he can turn his five gold pieces into 2,500 if he plants them in the field of wonders. Only while Pinocchio is walking to the field, the disguised cat and fox sneak attack him in an attempt to steal his gold. Pinocchio puts up 
one hell of a fight and even manages to bite the cat's paw off, but this only manages to anger the thieves. So instead of just robbing him, they tie a noose around his neck and hang him from a tree. And Pinocchio's final thoughts are about how disappointed his father would be. Believe it or not, this is how the original publication by Carlo Collodi ended, but his readers demanded he keep the story going, so he added 20 more chapters featuring a whale shark, a troublesome boy named Lampwick, and a transformation into a donkey. If you want to hear the full story, check out the very messed up origins of Pinocchio on YouTube. In Disney's Hercules, Philatites claims to be a great trainer of heroes, having brought up the best yusses to have ever lived, but an ancient Greek myth this role actually belonged to Chiron. Instead of being a satyr, Chiron was a centaur who mentored heroes like Odysseus, Perseus, and Theseus. He was also the one who taught Jason how to sail, and he taught Asclepius everything he knew about medicine, which ultimately led to the boy being made the god of the healing arts. His relationship with Achilles is my favorite, though. After hosting the wedding of Achilles' parents, he received custody of him when the couple split up, and he raised Achilles to be a master of medicine, music, archery, hunting, gymnastics, and prophecy. So who's the real Philatites? Instead of being a trainer to heroes, he was a hero himself, a highly skilled archer who fought in the Trojan War. And get this, his only connection to Hercules, or Heracles, is that he lit the funeral pyre that killed him when he was poisoned with Hydra's blood. Did you know that Maui killed his own grandfather for his magic fish hook? Well, not in the Disney movie. That version of Maui says it was a gift from the gods, but in the Maori tradition, it wasn't so much a gift as it was loot. You see, before the fish hook was Maui's, it belonged to his grandfather, Muri Rangawenua. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, blame it on the Midwest accent. In order to get the fish hook from his grandpa, Maui had to do something pure evil. When he was ordered to bring his weak, sick pop pop his daily meals, he hid the food instead and continued to do so until his grandpa starved to death and the fish hook was up for grabs. Oh, that Maui, always such a trickster. In the original Hunchback of Notre Dame book, Quasimodo is a changeling. For those unfamiliar, according to European folklore, anyone, but most often babies, could be abducted by fairies and replaced with a fairy lookalike. Now that might sound silly, but belief in changelings likely stemmed from infants developing physical and mental disabilities and their parents not understanding how or why so they refuse to believe that's their child. This was the case with Quasimodo's parents. They were Romani who didn't want a deformed child, so they kidnapped Esmeralda from her baby carriage and replaced her with Quasimodo. As a result, Esmeralda's birth mother loses her mind with grief and goes on to develop a deep hatred for the Romani people, which ironically includes Esmeralda. The worst part is she doesn't learn Esmeralda's true identity until after Esmeralda's been wrongly sentenced to death for attempting to kill Captain Phoebe a crime that Frollo was actually guilty of. And in a desperate attempt to save her daughter from being taken from her once again, she gets into a fight with the guards who take Esmeralda to be hanged and ends up being killed herself. This is just the tip of a very depressing iceberg, though. To hear the rest of the original story, check out the messed up origins of the Hunchback of Notre Dame on YouTube. Link in bio.
The original story that inspired Disney's Fox and the Hound is the most heartbreaking thing you'll hear today. So you know how in the movie, Todd and Copper are the best of friends who have so much fun together? Well, in the book, they despise each other, to the point where Todd lures Copper onto some train tracks and the poor pup is killed by an oncoming train. After that happens, Copper's master vows to get revenge on the wily fox, and through the rest of the book, we follow him as he tries a variety of methods to trap and kill him. That includes tracking Todd to his den and gassing his kids to death. Then he lays out leg traps similar to what we saw in the film, and Todd's mate ends up caught in one and killed as well. As if things couldn't get worse for poor Todd, his next litter of kits and his mate end up as the master's victims too. This is not the end of the depressing story, but it's all the time that YouTube shorts will give me. So if you want to hear the whole thing and ruin the rest of your day, check out my episode called The Very Messed Up Origins of Fox and the Hound. Link in bio. Cinderella's stepsisters are some of the most notorious villains in fairy tale history, but they pay dearly for their evil ways in almost every version of the story that they're featured in. The most famous by far is the Grimm Brothers variant, where on the way back from Cinderella's wedding, they're attacked by birds and have their eyes torn out. But another great one comes from China, after a heroine named Ye Shen escapes her life as the slave of her stepmother and sister, the stepmom tries making her own daughter her new slave. But the daughter wouldn't stand for it, and the two get into such an intense argument that it actually causes the cave they live in to collapse on them, killing them both and burying them forever. My favorite though has gotta be the Greek version. Titled Little Saddle Slut, seriously, the prince orders the stepsister's execution after learning they tried to kidnap and murder his queen. The best part? He performs the execution himself, cutting off both of their heads in front of a cheering crowd. It's too bad Disney couldn't use that version. In Disney's The Little Mermaid, Ariel makes a deal with a sea witch where she gives up her voice in exchange for human legs, but the deal she makes in Hans Christian Andersen's original story is far more lopsided and infinitely more painful. For starters, the sea witch doesn't just take her voice, she cuts out her tongue. And to receive her human legs, The Little Mermaid has to drink a magic potion that'll make her feel like a sword is slicing through her tail, splitting it in two. Then, once she has her legs, every step that she takes on land feels like knives are stabbing her in the feet and actually causes her feet to bleed. Two other important caveats to this potion are that if Ariel drinks it, she can never be a mermaid again, and if the prince marries someone else, she'll die the next morning. Believe it or not, this isn't even the darkest part of the story. If you want to know what happens next, hit the link in my bio to watch the very messed up origins of The Little Mermaid on YouTube. If Disney stayed true to the OG Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling, then Shere Khan's defeat would have been a lot more brutal. In Disney's version, Mowgli exploits Shere Khan's fear of fire by tying a burning branch to his tail, which sends him into a frenzy and he flees into the jungle never to be seen again. And don't get me wrong, this fear of fire is accurate to the book, but Kipling didn't want the villain to just be scared off. He had to be killed. So when Mowgli learns that Shere Khan is napping in the nearby ravine, he knows this is his time to strike. So the man cub climbs onto a bull's back and leads the herd he's been watching over toward the ravine. The sound of the stampede wakes up Shere Khan, but the cattle were charging him on both sides and he had no time to climb out of the ravine. So the last thing Shere Khan saw was 10-year-old Mowgli riding the biggest bull leading the stampede that would trample him to death. 
The full story is even darker than that though. You can read the whole thing online for free or you can listen to my summary on YouTube. Just search the messed up origins of the Jungle Book or hit the link in my bio. And so today's compilation comes to a close. But before I let you go, I wanted to let you know that the reason this week's episode wasn't your typical deep dive is because next week we're unpacking the very messed up origins of another Roald Dahl classic, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And that episode is going to be a behemoth. So I wanted to give myself an extra week to work on it and make sure that it's the very best that it can be. I really appreciate you showing up for this episode though, especially if you made it to the end. And I hope that you got some enjoyment out of it and learned yourself something. Until next time, my name is John Solo and remember, John shot first.